So today, we're going to talk about a runaway slave called Onesimus, who, who God got a hold of and restored him so that he could be truly useful. And Jesse's going, Jesse Harris is going to come us, talk to us about Onesimus, truly useful. With applause, I like that. All right, guys. I just need to start off and say, do you guys know what today is? The first day of allergy season. So please, bear with me as I go through this. <laughs> I've been sneezing all this morning. All right, I've been asked here to come and talk to you about Onesimus and how he became truly useful. But the first thing we ought to do is open up in prayer, and then we'll go on from there. So let's bow our heads for a sec. A lot of echo. Dear Heavenly Father, we just lift up this time to you, Lord God. We just pray you open up our hearts. I pray your words are spoken through, Lord God, and that they hear your words. They hear what you want them to hear. Let them, I thank you, Lord, that we're learning about Onesimus and what he went through and how he became truly useful. And I just pray that you bless each man here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So real quick, for the name Onesimus, how many guys here are familiar with Onesimus? I have a couple. Okay, a couple. I see a lot of shaking heads and no. have no idea who Onesimus is. The first time we hear about Onesimus was a quick mention in Colossians. But if you go to the book of Philemon, Philemon is a whole letter that Paul wrote talking about Onesimus. Now, Michael introduced it a little bit. Onesimus was a fugitive. He started out in trouble with the law. He was a runaway slave. And not only that, not only that, Onesimus was also a thief. So there's a lot of things going on here. But the story itself is not just about Onesimus. And that's kind of the problem. When he says we need to talk about Onesimus, we have to talk about Onesimus because he's a runaway slave. We have to talk about Philemon, who is the Onesimus' slave owner, and we have to talk about Paul. Now, I'm going to take a quick break, and I want to mention something. I'm going to keep on saying man or narrative or letter or things like that, because when we talk about Onesimus, when we talk about David, when we talk about Abraham, Nathan, we have to remember that these are historical guys. These are men that actually lived, actually went through this. They struggled. They had hard times. They had a calling by God. So when I'm talking about Onesimus, Philemon, Paul, keep in mind, these are real people. They had life-changing experiences, and we here can have life-changing experiences. So back to the thing. We're talking about Onesimus. He was a runaway slave. Okay? So he was a fugitive from the law, and he was a thief, which leads us to Philemon. Who was Philemon? These are probably all unfamiliar names to you. 
Philemon, obviously whom the book is named after, was Onesimus' slave owner. Okay. Now, the letter was written in around 60 AD. I'm getting lost. Boy, it's been a while since I've done this. Philemon is one from... Um, so, besides being a slave owner, which means that Philemon was a man of means, you may find it surprising to hear that Philemon was also a house church leader. He, was the, he ran a house church that followed Jesus Christ out of his house. So, believe it or not, Philemon was a friend of the Apostle Paul, which of course leads us to the third person of this narrative, Paul. Now, there's a lot, obviously, that we can talk about Paul here. There, I mean, there's a ton of information. He's gone through three mission fields. You know, he's, the, the, he wrote two-thirds of, of the New Testament. So there's too much here for really, me to really summarize. But suffice this to say, at this point in his life, he's an old man, and he's in Rome. Why is he in Rome? Well, let's suffice it to say that he's dealing with some legal matters. And while in Rome, he's availing himself to the luxurious accommodations provided by Domus Romanus. In other words, he was under house arrest waiting for trial in front of Caesar. But the nice thing about this is he wasn't in a prison as we see prison. He was actually chained to a Roman soldier. So he could actually walk around. You know, he could go to the market and things like that. He just had to stay with this guard. He couldn't go anywhere. Now, of course, the side joke here is how many, how many of these prison guards do you think Paul converted? But that's beside the point. So, you may be asking yourself, how did two guys from Colossae and a prisoner in Rome actually meet? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to the map. If you take a look at this map, over on the far left, you'll see a green circle. That is Colossae. And then up in the right-hand corner, that is Rome. That is a thousand-mile different street. And as Seth pointed out on Sunday, if you would listen to his message, that wasn't an overnight trip. It's not a jump on the cruise liner, sail for a couple hours, drink some Mai Tais, do some gambling. No, this was a multi-day, multi-stop trip. Onesimus, remember, was a runaway slave. He ran from Colossae and went to Rome. Why Rome? Why did he go to Rome? As we have up on the screen, Rome, two-thirds of the population in Rome were slaves. Two-thirds. Rome's a big city. So if you had two-thirds people who were slaves, if you have a big city, that means easy to hide. So I don't know if Onesimus knew of Paul. I don't know if he heard Philemon talking about him or whatever, or say, you know, he's in Rome or whatever. But when Onesimus ran away, he said, you know, 
Best place for me to hide? Rome. Talk about God's providence. And why did he steal? There's no biblical evidence. But let's just, take, let's just think about it logically. Onesimus is contemplating, I'm going to run away. That's it, I'm going to escape. I have no money, but I need to run away. I need funds. So he probably stole some valuables just to pay for the trip to Rome. Makes sense. So, Onesimus makes it the road. Now talk about God's providence. He runs into Paul, a prisoner. And can you imagine the conversation? They meet, they become friends. Paul looks at Onesimus and says, so tell me, where, where do you come from? Uh, I come from Colossae. Oh, lovely place. So I've heard. I've never been there myself, but I have a lot of friends there. Would you happen to know a man named Philemon? Uh, no. <laughs> Can you just imagine how, un uh, you know, how out of place he would say? Of all the places he could run, of all the people he could run into, he runs into Paul. And then, not only that, he decides to stay and help Paul. He helps him in his ministry because Paul wasn't just sitting there in the, in the prison. He was actually writing letters. He was seeing people. He needed someone to run to the market for him, things like that. He decided to help Paul. So let's read about what Paul says about Philemon. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, your phones, bring them out. We're turning to Philemon. One, Philemon's a very interesting book. If you ever have a chance to read through it, Philemon has one chapter, 25 verses. Literally, you could probably read it in 10 minutes or less. If you want to learn about Philemon, if you want to learn about Onesimus, if you want to learn something about Paul, take 10 minutes, read Philemon. It's a wonderful, inspiring story. So let's look at verses 9 to 13. That is if my thing... Yet, for love's sake, I, pref I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ, appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. So in those four verses, what are some of the things that we can infer just from that little bit? Well, one, starting out, Onesimus was not a very good slave, was he? I mean, first off, he started, Paul starts out and says, he was useless to you. I can imagine him. Once again, no biblical evidence, but I believe he was a young kid, young teens. And can you just see it? A young kid, angry at his position, angry that he's a slave, angry that he's where he is, didn't want to listen to anybody, didn't want to do anything. We can't relate to that today, can we? 
No, 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 no. No. So what did he just do? He decided to run away and steal some things. Okay. So Onesimus. Now, one of the things I want to point out. First off, Paul has a sense of humor. In verse, in verse 9, he talks about that, that Onesimus, or verse 11, was that Onesimus was useless to him. The word Onesimus means useful or profitable. So Paul is using it as a joke to say once he was useless to you, now he's useful, Onesimus, to both you and I. So many slaves at this time were actually named Onesimus, which is another reason why he went to Rome. What's your name, kid? Onesimus? Not another one. <laughs> so what's the second thing we could pick from just those four verses? The second thing is, while with Paul, Onesimus came to faith in Christ. Now, when you're with Paul, you just think about it. If you're living with Paul for a, an amount of time, you almost can't help but come to faith in Christ because he's going to keep on there. He's going to keep on picking and nicking and knocking and saying, do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ? Man, talk about a mentor. Talk about a man who's willing to pour his life into a young kid. Change him. Paul himself said in verse 10, whose father I became while imprisoned. Father, there's that mentor relationship. The third thing that we can learn from this session, the third thing is, now that he came to Christ, he became useful. He became useful. Paul said, verse 11, now indeed useful to both you and me. In verse 12, he says, sending my very heart this kid changed. Something happened in this kid that had him do a 180 repent. He repented. What happened? There's a fourth person that we need to talk about. There's a fourth person that we're not, is not really mentioned, but certainly integral in what's going on. That is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We have to remember that. It's not just a concept. It's not just a phrase. We have Jesus. We have Father God. And we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a gift. Jesus Christ said to us that when I go away, I will send you a helper. And this is what I want to focus on in this session. If any of you feel that you're alone, if any of you feel, and you are a believer, you are lost, you are concerned, you know, there, there are just so many things going on today with COVID or whatever, you need to remember that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit as a helper. If any of you have questions about the Holy Spirit. If any of you like wonder, what exactly is the Holy Spirit? What is his role? Come talk to me. I've got a wonderful Bible study, two pages that I could give you, that I could email you on what the blessing the Holy Spirit can be in our lives.
So the Holy Spirit, when Onesimus became a believer, when he truly believed in his, when, what's, what's the wording? If he quote, said with his mouth and believed in his heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, he was sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means he came and moved in. Now the Holy Spirit, when he comes in, he doesn't come in, kick out the old lazy boy, grab a beer, sit back, kick up his feet and start drinking. No, the Holy Spirit is a worker. He's coming in to clean house. Now when guys hear this, they start freaking out. Oh no, that's why I don't want to become a, I don't want to become a believer. I don't want him changing me. I don't want him making me something I don't want to be. We have to realize the Holy Spirit is not coming in to change you to something unfamiliar that you need to The Holy Spirit is coming in to make you what you were meant to be. You were called for a reason. You have come to God for a reason. That Holy Spirit is coming in and cleaning out all the muck and junk that you have built up over years of lifetime, living in this world, living in this culture, collecting up dust and dirt and filth and grime, and he's coming in to clean house, not to change you, but to make you what you were meant to be. That is called the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So, this is what, I'm, now there's a whole list of things that I could go through about what the Holy Spirit does in your life. But I'm just going to give you three things, okay? The first thing that the Holy Spirit did for Onesimus was convict him. The Holy Spirit is a convictor of sin. How many of us can identify with the relationship with sin? How many of us can look at ourselves before we became believers and when we looked about sin, it was nothing. What was sin? I have no idea what sin is. Sin, sin for some people was an escape. Sin for some people was fun. Sin for some people, for me, it was a way to hide. I had to hide when I sinned because I grew up in a Christian household. So whenever I sinned, I did whatever I could to hide it away so I wouldn't get beaten. <laughs> but until that time when I believed, when I said, in my, said with my mouth, believed in my heart that I believed in Jesus, sin really didn't have a consequence for me. I really didn't care. But then the Holy Spirit came into me. He woke me up. Second Corinthians tells us that the Holy Spirit gives us life. He brings newness to us. So my conscience, my spirit became alive. And now, now that I'm a believer, I start getting conscience pricks. You don't really want to do that. But, but, but the clicks right here. No, you don't want to do that. But it's, oh, you don't want to do that. Can you hear that? That's one thing the Holy Spirit does. When I said he cleans house, 
He comes in to clean the house. He looks for the dark closets in the back room. I got a closet to clean. No, don't worry about that one. Worry about the other ones. There's a, there's a closet that needs to be opened up. No, just forget that closet. Don't worry about it. I know, I know. Fine, fix it, clean it. That's the Holy Spirit. It convicts you of things that you may be holding on to. Obsessivus probably started thinking the same thing. He started realizing how much he had wronged Philemon and needed to repent. Tim talked about it last week. What does it mean to repent? 180. Turn 180. Stop going away from God. Stop running away and go towards God. Turn to Him. Follow Jesus. So the next thing that the Holy Spirit does, it starts teaching. Now, when he was with Paul, you know Paul was teaching the whole time. He'd spent his whole entire, well, not the whole entire life, but definitely a large portion of his latter life going through all Europe and Asia and Asia Minor, spreading the gospel. Oh, he knew it good. Anybody he talked to, he would go and start talking about it. So when he's talking to Onesimus, he's talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, how he is transformational and making you alive in Christ. So all that stuff, Onesimus started picking up whether he wanted to or not. And the Holy Spirit uses that teaching. He teaches with wisdom. He starts teaching truth comes pouring out. Truth gives life. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So Pete, the, 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 the Holy Spirit is just pouring into him, teaching him what he wants him to do. So then the, men, so then the third thing that the Holy Spirit does is it becomes an intercessor. What is an intercessor? It's someone who's speaking on your behalf, kind of like an advisor, a guide, someone who prays for you. Well, this Holy Spirit is not only working on your heart, but he's also working on other people's hearts. He was working on Paul's heart. He was working on, a, on uh, Philemon's heart. Now, I say he works on everybody's heart. Not everybody is a believer, but he works on everybody's heart. Up to the, you know, I, I say up to the point where you allow him. So if you are a believer, he's working on your heart. Philemon was a believer. The Holy Spirit was working on his heart to forgive him. So that led Paul to write a letter. What the story is, is that Paul received a visitor from Colossae. They had questions in the Colossian church. 
So Paul starts writing a letter. Okay, let's answer some of these questions. Let's teach this church. And Philemon is sitting there watching as Paul's writing this letter. And he probably turned to Paul and said, let me take it back. What? Don't you want to be... I'm using you here. You're such a blessing. You're everything that you do. I want to take it back. No, change that. I have to take it back. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to repent and seek reconciliation. Which is why Paul wrote this beautiful letter. Now, he didn't write it to be nice. He didn't write it because of obligation or, you know, let's just send a good word. Hey, can you give a good word for me? No. Paul wrote this letter because he saw the change in him. He was useless. Now he's useful. Let's listen to what he says in verse 16. No longer a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He is now a brother. What does this verse say to you? It sounds like Paul is writing a, a letter to a brother from a brother for a brother. Do you think Onesimus was afraid to go back? Do you think he, he, he thought about it and struggled with it for a while? Absolutely. In both Roman and Jewish law, the slave owner had every right to punish a runaway slave up to and including death. And not only did uh, Onesimus run away, he also stole. He was dead man walking. But he knew he had to go back. He knew he had to seek reconciliation. And he had to have faith that the Spirit was working in his heart. Onesimus was no longer a slave, but a beloved brother. Paul saw it. Onesimus running away was for him to realize his purpose. I want to look at Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everything. Onesimus became useful because he saw God's purpose for him. He wanted to fulfill that purpose. He opened himself up to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He became useful. He repented and became useful. Everything, God made everything for a purpose. We are each made for a reason, especially if we are believers. It doesn't matter whether you're 12, 22, all the way up to 92 and through. If we are still here on this earth and we are believers, then we are here for a purpose. Are you asking yourself, God, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Am I looking for that? 
Have you asked God for that? Each man here, pull out your Bible, pull out your app, pull out your phone, even if you have to. Grab the back of the card and write it. Grab a pen and write this down. It's not going to be up on the screen. I want you to write down and memorize John 15, 5. John 15, 5. You may recognize it when I start it. I am the vine, you are the branches. If I, am in, if I abide in you and you in me, then you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you looking for purpose? Then you need to be with Jesus. You need to seek Jesus. This is not a sit around thing. This isn't get up and action thing. If you are called to learn, then go and learn. Get involved in a Bible study. Find a, mentee, find a mentor that you can learn from. Come to these, the fellowship things. Go to services. If you are called to lead, then lead. Lead in a ministry. Lead a Bible study. Lead at a table. If you're called to repent, I beg you, repent, because it's going to keep on nagging you. If you're called to reconcile, reconcile. But we are not called to sit around on our butts. We are called to action. And even if you don't know exactly what's going on, if you don't know, if God hasn't specifically said, I want you in ministry, then you look at, need to look at Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says, love God. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Micah 6.8, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, for this is God's will for your life. So even if you don't exactly know what your purpose is, you are called to seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, that means get up and move. That means get up and action. We, Pastor Seth said it last weekend. We are looking for leaders. We are looking for men to step up and take their rightful place. We are called as Christian men to lead. We are looking for mentors. If you want to be a mentor, talk to myself or Dave Stowe. If you're looking for, if you're looking for a mentor, we have mentors. We have Bible studies. We have ministries. Get involved. If you're still here, if you're still walking on this earth, if you're still breathing, and you are a believer, then God still has a purpose for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this time. I thank you for the men that are here in this room. Lord God, I thank you for just the words that you spoke. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done to bless us fully and fully equip us, Lord God. And I just pray that you get us up. I pray you ask us just clean house, Lord God. And every man here, look through each nook and cranny and dark crevice and clean house, Lord. 
I pray that for each man here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, <clears throat> so we've all been challenged, okay? Um, I love that letter because a, a few months back, I spoke when we were doing Call to Obey, I spoke about Elijah, and I love the fact that I said that Elijah was the original trash talker, right? When the, when, the, when the prophets of Baal were trying to get their fire lit and it wasn't working and they were jumping and screaming, he's, and he's behind there going, uh, he's a god, right? He must be sleeping. Yell, yell a little louder. And I'm thinking, you know, that took a lot of guts because now he was next. You know, he was next. And, and I, like I told you, when it came time for him to ask God, I would have been whenever I'd have been singing, come on baby, light my fire. Because if his fire didn't light, he was done. Well, Paul, he has a kind of, we're all ordinary men. I love this letter, uh, what he says when he writes that letter to Philemon. He does a little bit of that because he tells Philemon, now listen, listen, if he stole anything and he owes you anything, put it on my account. But I'm not going to mention that you owe me your life. That was kind of a sense of humor there, you know, because he's saying, you know, to Philemon, apparently, you know, he had brought Philemon along, and I love the fact that, I'm not going to mention it, but uh, you can charge me for whatever he stole, but I'm not going to mention that you owe me actually your own self, but uh, kind of sense of humor. So, so take the challenge that Jesse gives, because um, we do need, in this culture especially, we don't want to lose our country. And we as Christians have to move. This is not, it's not a spectator sport, guys. And we're trying to get that across. And I'm trying to get that across to myself. We have to be bold in our faith. We have to say, no, we're not buying into that. And we just have to, we just have to stay in prayer and follow what the Holy, so Holy Spirit does teach. He leads and he lives in us. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're not, if you haven't made that decision for Christ yet, please talk to your table leader, talk to Jesse, talk to myself.